God our Father, take my words and transform them into your words. Take our minds and think through them. Take our wills and direct them to conform to your will. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for Jesus Christ. Amen. Sunday after Sunday, we stand and confess our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed, saying in part, We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. But the truth is that we, the modern Western church, give very little thought to the Holy Spirit. We may acknowledge him in our liturgy as the third person of the Trinity, but we don't really worship and glorify him. Yet he is at work within us, the church, the body of Christ, the people of God, and his work within us represents the normal Christian life. The Holy Spirit was and is eternally with the Father and the Son. Like the Son, he was there with the Father in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. The inspiration of the Holy Spirit is found on every page of Scripture. Paul tells us that all Scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, who is the breath of God. Today is Pentecost. Some of you are wearing red. The day we celebrate the coming of the Holy Spirit a great, in great power upon the early church, upon 120 men and women gathered in the upper room, hiding there for fear of the Jews. Six weeks ago, the Sunday after Easter, we talked about the risen Lord Jesus showing his hands and feet to the, to the Thomas. In that context, we said there are six more weeks until Pentecost, six more weeks of hiding in fear. Then the church will burst forth in the power of the resurrection under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on Pentecost, and the infant church burst forth in great power. We celebrate that bursting forth today. May the events of that day be repeated here this morning. May you, the church of Jesus Christ, burst, burst forth in the power of the resurrection under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and give glory to God. Sadly, I tell you again that most of the Western church lives their lives daily as if there is no Holy Spirit. We are much like the Ephesian church who confessed we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Look with me at that Ephesian church for a moment as we try to understand what Pentecost means to us, to the people of King of Kings gathered here today. In Acts 19 we read, And it happened that while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul passed through the inland country and came to Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And he said, Into what then were you baptized? They said, Into John's baptism. 
And Paul said, John baptized with the baptism of repentance, telling the people to believe in the one who has come after, who was to come after him, that is, Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy. Paul must have seen something lacking in these disciples. The absence of the Holy Spirit must have been obvious to Paul. He laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. This is the normal Christian life, life infused with the Holy Spirit, empowered by the Holy Spirit. We cannot possibly do, the, do an exhaustive study of the Holy Spirit in the time we have this morning, but perhaps we can get a better understanding of Pentecost and what it is we celebrate today. The Feast of Pentecost is also known as the Feast of Weeks because of the date set seven weeks after the Sabbath following the Passover. Leviticus tells us, you shall count seven full weeks from the day after the Sabbath. You shall count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. The Passover lamb was sacrificed on Friday. Add a day for the Sabbath, then seven weeks or 49 more days, 50 days from Passover to Pentecost, seven Sundays after Easter. For the Jews, the Feast of, week, the Feast of Weeks commemorates the giving of the law when Moses met with the Lord on Mount Sinai. Beginning there with the giving of the law, let's take a look at Israel's failure to keep the law. God's promise to send help and the empowering gift of the Holy Spirit. First, the giving of the law. Exodus tells us that before Moses went up on the mountain, the Lord gave instructions for the people, and the people vowed to obey. Then the Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment. Moses was on the mountain, and the Lord said to Moses, Write these words, for in accordance with these words I will make a covenant with you and with Israel. And he wrote on the tablets the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. The Lord made a covenant with the people that came with blessings for those who kept the covenant and curses for those who did not. And the people promised to obey. But Israel failed to keep the law, and there were consequences. Deuteronomy tells us, All these curses shall come upon you because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes that he commanded you. Joshua says, The people of Israel walked 40 years in the wilderness because they did not obey the voice of the Lord. The second book of Kings, we read, The king of Assyria carried the Israelites away because they did not obey the voice of their Lord, their God, but transgressed his covenant. Even all that Moses, the servant of God, commanded, they neither listened nor obeyed. The psalmist writes, They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is none who does good, not even one. And Jeremiah the prophet confesses, we have all sinned against the Lord our God, we and our fathers, from our youth even to this day, 
and we have not obeyed the voice of the Lord. Israel seemed hopelessly lost, unable to keep God's commandments, powerless to follow the Lord, the law of the Lord. Not only have they sinned, but it is their nature to sin. We are not sinners because we sin. We sin because we are sinners. Clearly they need help. We need help. And help is on the way. What they need, what we need, is a new heart. Deuteronomy exhorts the people to circumcise, therefore, the foreskin of your heart and be no, more, be no longer stubborn. Jeremiah repeats the exhortation, circumcise yourselves to the Lord, remove the foreskins of your hearts. The people of Israel did not understand that physical circumcision was a sacrament, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. They needed a change of heart, but only the Holy Spirit could do that. To that end, God promises to send help. The prophet Jeremiah says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers, a covenant that they broke. This is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after these, those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. Through Ezekiel, the Lord confirms the promise. I will give them one heart and a new spirit I will put within them. I will remove the heart of stone from their flesh and give them a heart of flesh that they may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. And they shall be my people and I will be their God. In the reference to the heart of stone, we should hear an echo of the commandments written on the stone tablets. Commandments that are external as opposed to commandments that are written on a heart of flesh. A heart of flesh that you may walk in my statutes and keep my rules and obey them. Ezekiel repeats God's promise of a new spirit saying in a later chapter, I will sprinkle clean water on you and you shall be clean from all your uncleanliness and from all your idols I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules, and you shall be my people, and I will be your God. The mention of a sprinkling with clean water, I believe, is a reference to the New Testament sacrament of baptism. The Lord speaking through Ezekiel not only promises a new spirit, but my spirit, saying, I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. It should be clear that the solution to the inability of the people to obey the Lord is found in the empowering gift of the Holy Spirit, in whose strength alone the people of God are able to keep covenant made through the shedding of the blood, the blood of the Passover lamb. That new spirit, that Holy Spirit, ultimately comes not through the sacrifices of the old covenant, but only through faith in the shed blood of Jesus Christ on the cross, 
who is himself the true Paschal Lamb. In today's Gospel, John quotes Jesus, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Later in the same chapter, Jesus promises the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. On the day of the ascension, Jesus instructs the apostles to wait in Jerusalem for the promise of the Father, telling them that they will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. He goes on to promise you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth, even to Charlotte, North Carolina. To be witnesses clearly implies more than doing witnessing. It implies living lives empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit. This is the normal Christian life. Efforts to live the Christian life without the indwelling Holy Spirit are frustrating, leading to the same sort of failure the people of Israel had in their attempts to keep the law. And so we come to the empowering gift of the Holy Spirit. Go back with me to the upper room where 120 men and women, including the apostles and Mary, the mother of Jesus, were hiding for fear of the Jews. Steve read from Acts. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were seating, and divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The weeks of hiding in fear are over, done. The church burst forth in the power of the resurrection under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Glory to God. Pentecost, the Feast of Weeks, was one of three feasts that required devout Jews to make a pilgrimage to Jerusalem. Because of the feast, Jerusalem was filled with Jews from all over the known world hearing the newborn church telling in their own tongues the mighty works of God, a crowd gathered. Peter preached Jesus Christ crucified and risen from the dead. At the end of Peter's sermon, the people were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. They were cut to the heart. God fulfilled his promise to remove their heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. As promised, they were given a new heart and a new spirit, by the inner working of the Holy Spirit, they were given hearts of flesh, 
hearts malleable in the hands of God. To understand Pentecost, we must ask, to what end is the church empowered with the gifts of the Holy Spirit? There are four lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit in Paul's epistles. The first is in Romans 12 and reads, As in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us. Let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, prophecy, service, teaching, exhortation, generosity, leading, acts of mercy. The context is body ministry. The Holy Spirit supernaturally empowers the exercise of the gifts of, for the functioning of the body of Christ. The second list is found in 1 Corinthians, which Neil read. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom. To another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healing by the same Spirit, to another works of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by, the, by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. But just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members are one body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. Wisdom, knowledge, faith, healing, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts are given for the common good. The Holy Spirit supernaturally gives wisdom and knowledge that one might not otherwise have. Faith, healing, and miracles are supernatural gifts. Prophecy is again on the list. Indeed, it is on all the lists. Prophecy does not necessarily mean foretelling. It may also mean forthtelling or proclaiming the mighty works of God. In chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, Paul says, the one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself but the one who prophesies builds up the church. He equates speaking in tongues with an interpretation to prophecy, but warns against the public exercise of tongues without interpretation. That said, Paul says he speaks in tongues more than anyone and wishes that we all spoke in tongues. At the end of chapter 12 of verse 1 Corinthians is a third list. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has apportioned in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then, he, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? 
but earnestly desire the higher gifts. Apostles, prophets, teachers, miracles, healing, helping, administrating, tongues. The first three of these, apostles, prophets, and teachers, are offices within the church. Paul wants us to understand that helping and administrating are also important supernatural gifts of the Holy Spirit. And he makes it clear that not everyone has the same gift. That presents a problem to some who think that unless you speak in tongues, you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit. Paul clearly thinks otherwise. The final list comes from Ephesians 4. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until they attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These gifts are all offices within the body of Christ to equip the saints for the work of ministry. It is important to notice that not those who hold the office that do all the work, they're given the ability to equip others to do the work. The work of ministry does not belong to the professional Christians, to clergy and paid staff, but to the whole body of Christ, to each one of us, and to each of us gifts are given. None of these lists are meant to be exhaustive. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are many and varied. They're all given for the common good, for building up the body of Christ. They're given to enable us, you and me, the church, to live the normal Christian life, a life of witness to Jesus Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit, to walk in God's statutes and be careful to obey His rules. Though the gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to each of us individually as He wills, they're not given so that we may live as individuals, but as members of the body of Christ. No one has all the gifts. We function as a whole only as we lend our gifts to the work of the body of Christ. The question for the church today is the same as that posed to Paul, by Paul to the church of Ephesus. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Is there any question? Is there any doubt? What then should we do? Peter offered an answer on the day of Pentecost to those who were cut by the, to the heart. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for those who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. Note Peter does not speak of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but of the gift of the Holy Spirit. In his second epistle, Peter tells his readers that God has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them we may become partakers of the divine nature. Not only are we given gifts, but we are given a new nature, a divine nature. The old man has died with Christ. We are alive in the Spirit. The normal Christian life is not one bent toward sin, but as a member of the body of Christ with a new heart and a divine nature, 
the normal Christian life is now bent toward obedience to the will of God. On the day of Pentecost, about 3,000 souls were added to the church. In one day, the church went from 120 timid souls to over 3,000 bold witnesses to the risen Jesus Christ, empowered by the Spirit, with a new heart and a divine nature. What will the Holy Spirit do with us today? What will He do within us? Will He give us a new heart, a new spirit? Pray with me to that end. Come Holy Spirit, pour out your gifts upon the church. Fill us to overflowing with the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Anoint our lives and ministries with the oil of your presence. And give us grace to love and serve one another. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.